maybe you'd like to go? Anybody else ready to go to Greece? Yeah, anybody ready to go to Vietnam next year? Yeah, oh, Peter, start taking names. <laughs> uh, there are uh, some ministry and vision trips planned uh, coming up in the next year, and so if you're keen uh, to go with us to Greece uh, this next year, and then as well to go to Vietnam and Korea, it's in the works. So now's the time to start praying about that. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Jonah chapter 3. Is it possible to have a second chance? Is it possible that Jesus might actually affectionately look at us and know we're a lot like Jonah and need second chances? Are you worthy of a second chance? Do you know the right answer to that is no. I'm not worthy of a second chance. But God is so merciful, and he loves us so much, and he also loves others so much that he is the God of second chances. As Tim Keller would say, we, we don't fully realize the depths of our depravity, nor do we realize the incredible heights and depths of God's love for us, all in the same moment. Jonah struggled with this, maybe not for himself, but definitely for others. But God brought him to a point of reconciliation because he reckoned and rumbled with the mercy of God for himself. You may remember at the end of chapter 2, it says the great fish vomited Jonah onto the beach. And Jonah chapter 3 begins with Jonah on the beach. Are you ready? Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. 
let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Heavenly Father, we set our lives before you, almost as if we're like Jonah standing on the beach, having received mercy. We've celebrated your mercy and your grace, your truth in our lives this morning. We've celebrated the movement from being under judgment and brought into grace. We've sung of that. And now, like Jonah, we stand at a crossroads at the beach to see what will be our next step. Will we really go to Nineveh? Will we really make the adjustment we promised? And we pray, Father, that you would show us again the depths of your grace towards us as your people who have received a great commandment and a great commission. Would you help us to align our lives with the values and ways of Jesus, our King, and his kingdom? And we ask this in his name. Amen. So God gave Jonah a second chance. It says the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. It's a repeat of Jonah chapter 1. In Jonah chapter 1, it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And here it says and adds, it came a second time. And so with this arrival of the word of the Lord, God was waiting to see, was Jonah really going to do it? Was Jonah really going to move? In fact, the word here is up. We translate it as go, arise, but it's really up. Jonah, get up. Let's go. Go to Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Do you know God is always inviting us to be a part of what he's doing with the people that he has in his heart? And it was astonishing to Jonah that Nineveh might be in God's heart for good and not for evil. But it was the evil part or the destruction part that was so in the mind of Jonah that even when he proclaimed his message, he couldn't bring himself to give the full prophetic message. Before a full prophetic message would include who is bringing you under judgment. And it would also declare what you have done wrong. But when Jonah announces the message of the Lord, I think he gives the specific words that God gave him to say. It just seems that he left out God and why. Notice what he says. Notice Jonah's message. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 
Jonah's almost announcing it with glee. You've got 40 days, ha, and then you're going to be overthrown. I wonder what it was like as he made his way into that city on the first day, from the edges to the middle. It appears by the messaging that the narrator gives us that Jonah didn't make it to the middle of the city. He spent a day doing his preaching ministry and then decided to go up on the hill and watch. That's in chapter 4. So in chapter 4, Jonah is on the hill watching to see how Nineveh is going to be overthrown. One day of ministry, 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. He doesn't tell them which God. He doesn't speak of Yahweh, nor does he say why. And so the surprising thing that begins to happen in the city is that people begin to respond to Jonah. People actually begin to respond to God. The narrator here tells us that the Ninevites believed God. In spite of Jonah's shorthand message. Now, shorthand messages are very common. When you were summarizing the, the ministry and message of Jesus, the writers of the Gospels say of Jesus, his message was this, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus went about preaching, repent, and the kingdom of God is at hand. It's just that we have more than one day of the ministry of Jesus with us, and so we have a lot more of its teaching. But Jonah's message didn't even seem to provide the message of repent. Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. His message is ambiguous, ambiguous. But there's still grace in it. For this word overthrown, do you know what it also can mean? Transformed. And I think this may have been the message that Jonah didn't really want to pay attention to. Forty more days, and Nineveh will be transformed. He wanted to hear, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be no more. Wiped off the surface of the earth. For the Assyrians were a terrible enemy. Can you imagine that if you were Korean, and God sent you to Japan? Can you imagine if you... You can make a list of enemies, can't we? We have long lists of traditional enemies. And what if God chose to send you to your enemy with a message? Forty more days and you'll be transformed. Or is it in your heart, forty more days and you'll be wiped off the planet? Can you imagine God calling up people from Ukraine to go to Russia? What's the messaging? What's the messaging? What's in our hearts? But what's in the heart of God? For God is just and God does judge. But when he sent his prophets, and when he sent Jesus, his son, 
It says of Jesus' arrival that Jesus came in love because we were already condemned. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. And then the next verses says that he came to preach not to condemn the world, but because the world was already condemned. And it seems that God sent Jonah to that generation because God was wanting to do something in that generation in Nineveh. And in spite of Jonah, God did it. It was not Jonah's eloquence. It wasn't even Jonah's good-looking outfit. Can you imagine how it looked after three days in the belly of a whale? And then a long journey across from the beach to Nineveh? I think Jonah stank. So it wasn't his eloquence. It wasn't his good looks. It was simply his participation in what God wanted to do. And God was going to do it. The surprising turnover of Nineveh reached its pinnacle when it says, word arrived to the king of Nineveh. And did you see the pattern of what the king did? Did you see how God is bringing about a social transformation right there in Nineveh? Jonah started on the outside edges of the city, not at the center Jonah started with the people who were at the margins, with the edges, and they responded first. And the word of their response to this message of a strange prophet reached the king, and God moved the king's heart as well. It says he rose from his throne. In that moment, he was getting up and giving up his royal authority. It says he took off his robes At that moment, he set aside his wealth and prestige. And then he put on sackcloth. At that moment, he gave evidence of his concern and his grief. Sackcloth was the common clothing that just said, I'm in mourning. I'm in grief. And then it says he sat in the dust. That was the act of humility where he joined in the life of the common people before God. God has overturned Nineveh. And then the king gives a decree. Cover yourselves with sackcloth. Didn't you find it odd that he wanted the animals to wear sackcloth too? Yeah, that's weird. But let me tell you, having a big fish in chapter 2 swallow um, Jonah, that's weird too. But the animals... But we've got to back up. 
The animals have a part in this story. All creation is meant to be a part of God's work. And so I can't imagine the kids putting the sackcloth on the animals, but I guess it happened. And then he says in his decree, give up your evil ways and the violence in your hands. And when he says this, give up the violence, which is a sort of shorthand in the, in the English, the Hebrew conveys a sense of the violence in your hands, that personal violence that you want to enact against someone. This wasn't just a blanket word from the king. This was an acknowledgement from the king about what he knew about his people, is that they were walking around with grudges against others that they were walking around with an opportunity to do violence against another. And he says, we must give it up. And then notice how he surrenders to God. Who knows? God might yet relent with compassion. That is the word of surrender. What comes? We're in the hands of God now. And this is how Nineveh was overturned. Strangely, in the history of Assyria, what happens in the next reign of kings is that Assyria actually became a great place, apparently. And they launched a whole new set of renovations and changes in the way they did business and the way they conducted the architecture of their cities. There was some kind of change in Nineveh and Assyria. This is what happens when God overturns a society. Is the message of Jesus for everyone? Yes. Are we all to have a part in it? Yes. Are you aware on occasions where you've said no to God and then asked him, oh God, give me a second chance? He will give it. Do you know why he will give it? It's because there's another king who got off his throne. Jesus, the high king of heaven, rose from the throne. He took off his robes. He clothed himself not in sackcloth, but in flesh. And he was born in dust, laid in a manger. Oh, this is our king. This is our king who suffered the hands of the violence of others, of empire, and was buried but was raised again. This is the king who calls reluctant disciples back. Do you know, did you notice this morning? We read of the second occasion where Jesus mentions Jonah. The first mention of Jonah is in Matthew 16, where Jesus says of a corrupt generation, I'm only going to give you the sign of Jonah which we would understand to be three days in a tomb. 
swallowed up by death, and then alive again. But in his conversation with the disciples, Jesus asked, who do the people say I am? And they said, well, some of them say you're Elijah. Others say you're Jeremiah, come back from the dead. And then Peter speaks up, but you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And then Jesus says the strangest thing. He says, Peter, son of Jonah, this was revealed to you not by humans, but by God. Now, um, according to the scripture, Peter's dad is John. Our first introduction to Peter in the book of John is that Peter is called Peter, son of John. So what was Jesus doing when he calls Peter, son of Jonah? I mean, would you like that if someone called you son of Jonah? Try it out. Turn to your neighbor and say, you daughter of Jonah, you son of Jonah. I mean, this sounds strange. None of us have Jonah. Was your dad Jonah? Anybody here? So no, no, none of us have a father named Jonah. So Jesus is being affectionate and yet prophetic with Peter because Peter needed a second chance, didn't he? Peter denied Jesus, and Peter was restored into fellowship and ministry where? On a beach. On a beach. Peter, do you love me? You son of Jonah. And Peter would later find himself in Joppa. Do you remember Joppa? Joppa is where Jonah ran when he was running from God and wanted to get on a boat. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. He wanted to go to Tarshish. But God had called Jonah to be a first prophet to the Gentiles. And what happened to Peter in Joppa? He was called to be the first apostle to the Gentiles. Do you think Jesus knew what he was doing when he says with affection to Peter, Peter, you son of Jonah? He knows something about our hearts that we're not quick to obey. We're not quick to respond always, especially when it means crossing a boundary, especially when it means breaking social norms, especially it means that someone's going to look at us and say, you're not being true to your people, especially when it means we're going to forgive our enemies. We're sons and daughters of Jonah at that moment, and we need a second chance. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you know what resides in our lives, that we're not just like Jonah, we're also like Nineveh. That on occasion, what has been in our heart has been hateful and hurtful. 
that we have let the powers and methods of empire take root in our lives such that we make greed and stuff of earth an idol, such that we catalog people according to their ethnicities, their backgrounds, and their family names, and where we've seen them as less than and wished that they would be wiped off from the planet. And yet you want to populate heaven with them and us. And so we come to Jesus on the level ground at the foot of the cross, and we stand in the dust, and we adore him as king. The king who took off his robes after he got up from his throne, who put on flesh and was born in dust, so that we might be lifted up before you. Oh, Lord Jesus, inside of that love, may we be quick to say yes. May we be quick to move and get up when you make a way for us to speak, to share our lives in the gospel, to share kindness and help and hope so that you might overthrow once again the impact of powers and principalities in this place and that your kingdom would come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's stand.